When the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency released its third emergency cyber directive in the last five months, agencies were once again on notice to fix yet another critical vulnerability. Last week's directive detailed a potential major problem with the virtual private network software from Pulse Secure. CISA gave agencies until April 23rd to identify all the instances of the software and run the Pulse Connect Secure Integrity Tool. Federal News Network's Jason Miller joins me now to talk about why CISA has been ringing that cyber fire alarm so often lately. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jared. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I remember whenever this this new authority was first established six, seven years ago, it was news when then NPPD issued a binding operational directive because they were, again, new and rare. Now it seems like they're every other week. What's going on? I think that was what really stood out to me when they issued this latest one. As I, as you said in, in the opening there, third one in five months, we had solar winds in December. You had in early March, you had Microsoft Exchange, and now you have Pulse Secure. And it's really keeping chief information security officers, it's keeping CIOs incredibly busy. And as someone said to me, they're running around with their hair on fire, those of us who have hair left. Uh, and, and I think that the, the reason why this is happening so often, and I think is twofold. I think number one, Jared, you remember probably back in, in the uh, 90s when everyone talked about how great Apple was and how no one ever attacked Apple computers. And that's because their install base was relatively small back then. If Microsoft Windows and Microsoft platforms had, you, you picked the number 90, 95% of all install base, that's where the attackers went after. It's the old, why do you rob banks? That's where the money is. The, the, the attackers were following the money. What we're seeing with ServiceNow and with Pulse Secure, very the very similar thing. And in fact, John Pescatori, a director at Sands, said, you know, one exploit can get you 70% of the networks, and that's a big target. And I think that's what we're starting to see, that these hackers, these adversaries are starting to go after these large install bases, which means it's not necessarily things are worse, but just things are affecting more people, more agencies, more organizations. And I think that's why we're seeing all these emergency directives. Yeah, if the vulnerabilities themselves are actually not more serious than they had been in the past, I guess it sort of begs the question, is it worth keeping agency CISOs in a constant state of emergency mode and i think it is because they don't know the install base right like what i've been told from someone like john banghart former uh, national security council member uh, under the obama administration now over at venable he goes it's it, when you you have to issue those emergency directives because you don't understand the broader context okay will this issue this vulnerability affect who and when and how and how big of a deal is it to interior versus how big of interior is it to agriculture or is this a big deal for like solar winds? You, you reported, Jared, just recently that DoD believes the Microsoft Exchange solar winds maybe had little to no effect on, on those agencies, but they didn't know that until after the fact, until they did the forensics. So what CISA tends to do with civilian agencies is put out this blanket report that says, do this now because we know this could be really detrimental, but we're not sure if it will be, we just know it could be, so you better better safe than sorry. So can we tell if agencies are getting any better at responding to these emergency directives now that they've had uh, quite a bit more practice with them? I think it's twofold. Both agencies are getting better and CISA is getting better. And I think you can point a big 
uh, reason to that is the continuous diagnostics and mitigation program. The CDM program has really give agencies better visibility. Jared, I wrote a story a couple years ago when we talked about wanna cry versus heartbleed and the differences there. And uh, John Banghart from Venable brings up uh, Heartbleed and how much it affected agencies in, in such a serious way. Here we are with WannaCry in 2017, and they did a better job with it. So here we are even four years after that with SolarWinds, Microsoft Exchange, Pulse Secure. Agencies should know what's on their networks because of CDM. However, and there always is when it comes to cybersecurity, this is something that John Pescatore from SANS points out the workforce is a big issue do the agencies have the skill sets the people necessary to patch and then if you're pulling people off of one set of problems and putting them on this latest fire drill what is what's the downstream effect to the other things that don't get done and i i think that's part of the issue here is that agencies don't necessarily have spent a lot of money on tools but they haven't spent a lot of money on the people and i think that because there's a lack of people across the board, public sector and private sector, I think that's causing, that's why these fire drills are even more detrimental in many ways to a lot of agencies because they don't have the people anyways. And then the people they do have have to focus on this on this fire drill versus the day in, day out cybersecurity. Yeah, the day in, day out and the things that you might be doing to proactively become more secure across all of your networks. Uh, absolutely. And, and that's one of the things that John Banghart brings up is, Currently, the, the common vulnerabilities exposure database or the common vulnerability scoring system are okay, but they don't tell you how it affects you. They just say this is a nine and a half out of 10. And he says that's not as helpful as it could be. So he's actually working with some private sector organizations, private sector experts to, to try to come up with a new way to look at how serious this vulnerability is. And a lot of it has to come down to situational awareness. What does the agency know about their network? And if you have this kind of system and this kind of network, this is a five. But if you have that kind, maybe it's a seven. And that's the, the, the really beginning stages of bringing this together. And I think this also tags back to the workforce issue. Do they have enough people who understand what this means to their network and what they need to do about it? And again, I, John Pescatore and others say, you, you invest on tools, sure, but you got to invest in people even more. So that's interesting. Would that new way of measuring vulnerability severity also take into account what we were talking about before, the size of the installed user base? Because it's it, as an organization, it probably matters a lot to you whether you have 1,000 instances of this uh, potentially vulnerable software versus one. One of the things that that they that this again it's just getting started so they're not 100 percent. it's not you know detailed out architected out in terms of the way it would work but i think one of the things that they're thinking through here is right now if it's just a 10 it's a 10 and, and you, you're running around but if you know how many you have you have better situational awareness better visibility you can react better and then also they're saying okay well what about looking forward how can you be less reactive and more proactive and i think that's the other thing that they're trying to how they how do you build that into this new scoring system i think there's more to come obviously from that and and, and you know i think that's something that would be very interesting to see how it would apply to the public sector which is you know much different network architecture in many ways than the private sector which you know has at least the reputation of much more in the cloud while we have the public sector much more in the hybrid world with some on-prem and some in the cloud. All right. Federal News Network, Jason Miller, thanks very much. My pleasure, Jared. And you can read more in Jason's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, 
confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.